Thanks for joining the Heights Church podcast today. We hope that you enjoy the message. If you're in the Sydney area, be sure to join us at the Heights Church at Goldstone Road, Hornsby Heights, Sydney, Australia. I don't know whether, uh, in fact, I don't really want you to answer this at all, but have you ever taken or were tempted to take take a COVID day? And what I mean by that is that you wake up in the morning and mysteriously your throat starts to feel a little sore and your nose starts to run a little bit. And as you think about it more, then your throat becomes even sorer and then your nose starts to run a bit. You think, I should stay at home from work or school because I might pass COVID along. You haven't got it. You never did have it. But you thought, maybe I just need to do that. It could be a free pass to that meeting or that appointment or even taking time off work. As I discussed with other pastors, uh, I found that the deceitful tongue is very rarely preached on, much less limited to the book of Proverbs. And the reason why is that people don't, have to, don't want to address and can't address really the white lie. You know, the one that at Christmas time where you're given that shirt and someone asks you, do you like it, the person who gave it to you? I mean, what do you say? How do you address it? Or that special someone cooked that romantic meal that's just not edible, that has just mushrooms right through it. (laughs) What do you say? Oh, you're not eating it? You don't like it? What's the next words that come from your mouth? I, I, I don't know. Let me say that if you have two big dogs like I do, there's not a lot of room left in the doghouse. <laughs> or blokes, have you ever been asked when you're carrying something, is this too heavy for you? What do you answer? You answer nothing. You go, no, that should be right, mate. And then you go to the doctors for a hernia that week. <laughs> you see the difficulty, don't you? But it can come pretty naturally on answering not so truthfully because for some, it's been pumped into us from a very early age. It has taught us from an early age or even modelled to lie. When I was young, uh, my mum used to tell me that the van driving around our neighbourhood playing music was just a travelling radio rather than an ice cream truck. When I was younger, I used to have, uh, for nine years, I had plaster on my legs. And for nine years, I went into hospital every year, sometimes for four or five months, because I had what's called talipy when I was young, where your feet are actually around the wrong way when you're born. And nowadays, I just get them, twist them around and whack them in plaster because they reckon, recognize everything's pretty soft and malleable. But, but then they cut and paste and cut and paste all these. Uh, that's the reason I've got arthritis and I'll limp now is because of, of that. I used to come home uh, and because I'm in plaster, I'd ask my mum, where's my dog? Oh, it's down in the garage because we didn't want bluey, sooty and rusty, I think it was the, one of the first, to jump all over you because they're going to hurt you. And then I'd wobble my way down there and look inside the garage. There's no dog. Because every single dog my uncle killed ran over every year. But my mum couldn't break my heart, so she just lied to me and said, we didn't want the dog to jump all over you. So uh, that's what got taught from a very young age. Not to mention, not to mention things like, well, if you eat your crust or your hair will grow grow curly. Well, look what happened to my hair. I ate a whole truckload of uh, things. Or 
or for me, my name, my nickname was Wincy because I, I used to be like this all the time. That's the reason I wear these things. But my mum said, if you keep on squinting like that, your face is going to be stay the same as, Mum, I needed glasses. You didn't recognise that I needed that. Lies, we get taught sometimes, not to mention those big typical holiday season ones, which I won't mention. Then as you get older, you would think that it would get better and, you would, and the temptation would be less. But then you get into the dating scene, for example, and you have someone where you try to let them down gently. One girl, when I was 15, and I've mentioned this before, that's how searingly it's impressed upon my heart, told me instead of going out that she had to clean her pencil case out. <laughs> now, she may not have been lying. She genuinely might have had to clean a pencil case out, but I don't think so. But seriously, not only is lying a social problem, but it's also a society problem as well, a society as a whole. In fact, the Daily News wrote this, that Australians love sickies. This is the headline. Australians love sickies, but beware of the dangers. I'll read it for you. If you'd like to take that cheeky, cheeky day of sick leave from time to time, then you'll have some good news. You are very much in the majority. Australia, it turns out, is a nation of sickie takers. Surveys reveal that 81% of Australians have faked a sick day just to get a bit of time off work. I think that statistic probably massively rose on Friday. <laughs> they report reported that the research supported the data from the Australian Bureau of Statistics, which showed the public sector workers take between eight and nine sick days a year, both for legitimate and illegitimate reasons. The most common excuse for chucking a sickie is piggybacking on the bug sweeping through the workplace. Or younger workers are particularly brazen about their fraudulent days off, chucking at the average of five unashamed sick days a year. 66% of them said they deserve that day off because it isn't fair to penalise them for having a strong immune system while older, feeble colleagues take heaps of time off. Another 32% said working hard earned them a fraudulent sick day. As for 19% uh, minority who haven't never pulled a sickie, their reasons overwhelmingly was altruistic and self-sacrificing. 39% of them said they didn't want to, take, to let their colleagues down while 9% of them said they didn't want to miss meetings. 15% were just put off because they were afraid of getting caught. But it doesn't stop just with sick days, does it? Forbes magazine surveyed the recruitment companies who estimated 40% of resumes they received were not true. Some resumes may have been missing some dates and having convenient gaps uh, to hide the undesirable termination uh, that, that, they, that they had experienced or the degrees of qualifications are just lies. And that doesn't happen in Christian circles, does it? Former chief executive of Radio Shack, who was a Christian church-going person, resigned after questions arose about the accuracy of his resume. According to media reports, he claimed to have a degree of psychology from Pacific Coast Bible College in California. It wasn't true. Nor were there any evidence that he received a degree of theology from the same unaccredited college, which just so happened in 1998, to move to California, to Oak, from California, Oklahoma City, and renamed Heartland Bible College. Those lies don't hurt anyone, right? I mean, they just hurt you if you're caught, right? You don't get that job. You don't get that date. You don't get any ice cream. 
God is clear in his opinion, as Tony read in Proverbs 6.16. If you've got Proverbs, you might like to open it. It's going to flip around all over the place for it. There are six things that the Lord hates, seven things that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that divides wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness that pours out lies, and a man that stirs up dissension among the brothers. And you'll notice a couple of things in those verses that, that are there in chapter 6. That lying's mentioned twice and alluded to three times. Proverbs paints a clear picture. God hates lying. And if you thought that hate was a pretty heavy word, God detests lying. Now, if you're going to look at other things that God detests, here's this one. Deuteronomy 23, 18. You must not bring the earnings of, female pro- of a female prostitute or a male prostitute into the house of the Lord or pay God or uh, ask into the house of the Lord your God to pay any vow because the Lord your God detests them both. We've got the earnings of female prostitutes and the earnings of male prostitutes, and it's in the same language that he hates lying. God's reaction is akin to that situation. But why is truth so important to God? Because God is true. John uh, John speaks of Jesus this way in the gospel. He says that he is the true light. He is the true bread from heaven. He is the true vine. And when Jesus speaks of God the Father, he says, the one who sends me is true, the only true God. Those who profess to worship God are the true worshippers who worship in spirit and truth. God is pure and righteous. And when we think of God, we don't think of him as lying or dishonesty or lacking in integrity or, in other words, living that double standard. It doesn't even enter our mind when we think of God that way. And it's because God is utterly reliable and trustworthy that we have confidence in him. Could you imagine following a God who showed great kindness yet did not love you? Or a God who promised forgiveness yet condemned you? Or a God who promises uh, were reliable, the promises are reliable, but they're as reliable as the weather predictions that you see on television, who promises sun yet ends up to be rain? God doesn't lie to us. I mean, can you imagine if if Noah built the ark and, and now it's just a tourist attraction up near the big banana? Why? Because floods didn't come, didn't happen. Of course, we don't understand God that way. God is faithful and he's true with all integrity and Satan is the father of all lies. Such lying invades our society and invades TV and even the games where we hone our skill to lying. Would Jesus play Balderdash? I don't know whether you know that game or not, but basically it's like dictionary where you get a a definition and you have various people who write down, only one person knows the right definition and then all these people write down what they think they are and they all get passed to a person, they read them all out, you've got to guess which one's a lie, which one's not. Would Jesus play that? That's the question. But here's the crunch. 
As we interact with our world, they should clearly see the character of God, not the character of Satan. They should clearly see us as people with integrity. Proverbs says, The righteous hate what is false, but the wicked, and, uh, but the wicked bring shame and disgrace. As Christians, we hate, we despise what is false, and we uphold what is true. And this is what's honouring to God. Truth. What's the result of lying? I think most people know what that is. It hurts us, hurts ourselves. Now, it's obvious that lying hurts us, hurts the person who lies. It also hurts the persons at the innocent end of it as well. It has detrimental results on both parties. Proverbs teach us, If a man digs a pit, he'll fall into it. If a man rolls a stone, it will roll back on him. It's pretty heavy ones, isn't it? A lying tongue hates those it hurts and flattering mouth works ruin. It's inevitable, isn't it, that lying will be the destruction of relationships. A pit that captures and destroys even if you win Balderdash, the game. I think all of us at some point or other have been lied to. We know what it feels like to be lied to. And there's no doubt that it's hard to get over being lied to and the hurt that results from it. And sometimes it is real hurt. Lying always leaves scars and negative issues about trust and honesty. And it takes heaps to get over. And as you know, and you have seen, no doubt, it can even spell the end of people's relationships. We have fairy stories about it, don't we? Pinocchio, growing noses, ears getting bigger. We have stories about the person who cried wolf, all to illustrate the destruction that happens because of lying. We often look at the issues of how lying affects others and how dishonesty uh, gets the liar into that huge jam or that pit that they can't escape from. But the reality is that, humanly speaking, is just one thing, how it affects us. It, It affects God. Lying enslaves people so that they cannot go before God. I have seen it pastorally over and over again. It's not just whether people confess their sin or not. It's that they're unable to confess their sin or not. They're living a lie before God and they can't go before him and it breaks their relationship with him or their continuing fellowship with him probably more accurately. It snares and prevents people's prayer when people live a lie before God. I mean, try praying with somebody who you've lied to. It's impossible to do. You only have to look at Peter. He denies Christ he, he, uh, three times and the downfall that he experienced is a prime example of the great pain that it causes between God and and humans in the relationship as as Peter lived out a lie. He, he didn't necessarily uh, 
set out to do that. He just got caught in the trap of how it was going to affect him. And he, without regard, just went ahead and lied, not realising the great effect that it would have on him and God. But I don't have to spell that out. It's no doubt blatant to you that outright lying is wrong. But it is impossible, isn't it, to practice every possible circumstance that you've ever come across. What happens when you get that meal that's just wrong or that shirt that is just off the planet hideous or whatever somebody might sort of you might walk into? It's impossible to practice those things. What would you say? What would you think? The best wisdom that I have is to stop and think about what you're saying. And no doubt you can practice what happens when you get the wrong, wrong shirt or the, or the uh, mushroom things. I, I've got to say, confession time, I just out, down outright lied to Susan and said it was unreal. That was the mushroom soup, uh, meal, by the way, which I hate mushrooms, and I was really keen on her and she served me. So she keeps on telling me there's this mushroom pasta thing that she gave me. She goes, do you like that? Yes, I love that. What else could I have said? I don't know. I'd have to practice it out. This is what Paul says, that you were taught with regard to, what, uh, to your former way of life to put off your old self, which has been corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your mind and to put off your, on the new self created to be more like God, true righteousness and holy. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to, you, uh, to his neighbour. Well, we're all members of one body. The question we need to ask ourselves is, are we people of integrity? People who walk the talk, people of truth, because God is truth. Are you truthful with others? Are you truthful with yourself and are you truthful before God? Proverbs says this about Christian integrity. It says that the person who of integrity walks securely, but the one who takes crooked paths will be found out. The integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity or their double lives. Are you truthful with yourself? Are you truthful with others? And I don't mean like liar, liar, where you walk down the road and, and whatever comes to your mind, you just speak out and it doesn't matter whether it... Because when we're truthful with others, it has to come into in, in the connection with are we loving to others as well? You see, a person walking uh, with one of those poodles that just looks absolutely hideous, you don't walk up to them and say, have you have actually had a look at your dog? Or, or the one sitting on the train next to you with some absolutely bad breath that you just cannot sit next to them or body odour that's you know and you don't be truthful with them you, you know that it's important to be truthful in love and we need to be people who understand that does it mean that we lie no that's where we need wisdom that's what proverbs talks about with wisdom and how to be truthful with another but loving to, with them when it comes to the issues of white lies, though, to avoid hurting others, 
I would say then often or not we're tempted to lie. Sometimes to avoid hurting the other person, but often to avoid hurting yourself. We're told around certain holiday seasons uh, in SRE how to answer those difficult questions that happen about the white lie. And let me say, what's been put out by YouthWorks in our answer is not true. When someone comes up and says, what do you think about this or that? And we just totally avoid the question and get on to, get on to well, this is what we do know about uh, particular holiday times, is, is that we, this is what happens in, in the, from a big biblical perspective. Because in love, we don't want to hurt young people in what their questions that they might have. But when our friendships are adult friendships, not just kid friendships that we're trying to avoid the, the difficult things of life where they've fallen into the trap, but adult friendships, we don't want to ever intentionally hurt another. But we also need to intentionally never be people who don't, are not known to be, have integrity. We want to open up with people. And when we want to be truthful and know how to handle tough spots in people's life. Kids recognise it. Youth recognise it. I mean, you ever been in your car and go, why did you tell the policeman that you were travelling 60 when you really were travelling 80, Mum or Dad? People recognise it. We want to be people of truth. But it isn't easy. I've shared with this before, but when I was in Ohio and I owned a business there, I was with a, a, uh, a person who uh, didn't walk with integrity. And uh, Susan and I are sitting there and we, we had to uh, answer a question when the guy said, why are you leaving the company? Why are you moving from Ohio back to Canada? Now, I could have said just to, with all peace, look, I just don't feel as though radio contracting is the life for me, which would have been a lie in the first place, but I, we could have, could have named some kind of uh, way in which we were getting out of it, but I didn't because I had to speak the truth in love. And that was he was abusive to his son and we didn't want to raise our family with him. That's the reason why we left. He wasn't real happy at the end of it. But we had to decide what was truthful and what was not. And we weren't going to leave that situation without speaking the truth in love. So I turned to the young boy and said, you'll get told many things in your life. Like every single day he got told how useful he was or he wasn't. But God says this to you. And I spoke to him then. It meant the end of our relationship. And if you look up Rocking H Rodeo Company, it's still there, it's still going, larger than life. And we're all, Susan and I are still actually part of it. It's hard when we're called to be truthful and honest with others. First of all, it starts with being truthful with our own relationship with Jesus. How are we going? Are we representatives of him on this earth? Are we people of integrity? Do we strive to live for Jesus? Are we people who exhibit his love and his compassion? And it will mean quite often 
that you're going to actually risk stepping over the boundary in friendship and in relationship to be truthful rather than not. Would I let somebody sin and walk into sin? No. Because I'm more concerned about their relationship and their walk with God than they are with the friendship from me. And I pray that when I do that, and when I do that pastorally, that I've earned enough credit that my friendship will last beyond my truthfulness to them. Of course, it matters when you say it and how you say it. But I need to ask also, am I truthful with God? Truthful lips will endure forever, but a lying tongue only lasts a moment. There, are, there is deceit in the hearts of those who plot evil, but joy for those who promise peace. No harm befalls the righteous, but the wicked will have their fill of trouble. The Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in people who are truthful. Would Jesus play balderdash? I don't know. And if he did, he wouldn't be very good at it. They go, I don't know how I don't know how he could play. I don't know what the story was. I know I know that 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 those type of things is not what the Bible's talking about. What it's talking about is being people of God, being truthful people who are known to be truthful. It means that you are a people who your yes is yes and your no is no, and there's no ambiguity in what you say. Does it mean you're straight and you never play something like dictionary? You know, I'm, I'm an expert at it. <laughs> I win every time. So that might say something about me that needs to be changed. I'm not quite sure. But I know that when I say something to my kids and when I say something to Susan, I know that they know my word is true. And when I say something to you, I pray that you know that too. And that it comes from a place of love. I pray that's your witness as well. And I pray that God would help us uh, in that. And here's the big thing. As Tony already prayed, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if we have in, our, in the past been people who have not walked with integrity and have lied, which I probably would put out there that, that most of us fall within that situation. I pray that God, if it meant broken relationships for you, that you have the opportunity to ask for forgiveness and walk with the other person rightly. Start with God. Come before him. Bring your heart before him and say, I, I want to be someone of character and of integrity and a person who walks right. And then go with the, the person that you've offended and ask for their forgiveness. Not that you've won Balderdash, but rather that you've been a person that didn't walk rightly before God but desired to in your heart. Let's pray. Lord, Proverbs addresses the wisdom of on how we walk. 
and how we walk with you talks about the truthfulness of life but also about our relationship with you. And we would recognise full on that lying lips hurts us, hurts the person who is lied to and hurts God and our walking with him and our fellowship with him. Lord, I pray that we can be people who speak the truth, the people who are known in our workplace for people to be people of integrity, who are known in our family and our people and our neighbours and our friends, that we walk with integrity and honesty. And I pray, Lord, that you give us wisdom on what to say so that what will come out of our mouth will be words of love and compassion and kindness. But it won't come at the expense of being truthful and honest of ones with integrity. So I pray, Lord, for your wisdom. And I pray your Holy Spirit might equip us for the task. 